Prepare to qualify. You have entered the Fandom Effect, a podcast filled with anime, video games, comics, MMA, and unlimited ideas. Each week, a new guest will press enter and discuss how they're making their dreams come true with your host, Mark the Bushido Geek, Halberg. It's time to enter the Fandom Effect. Now, please insert 25 cents to continue. You have one playthrough. Better make it count. All right, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Fan Effect Podcast. We're going to cross my fingers that this is recording because she merits being really weird right now. Uh, as always, I'm your host, the Bushido Geek, here for another edition of the Phantom Effect. And this is a fun one for me for a lot of reasons. Uh, as you guys know, we always try to keep things different, and we're working on a lot of different stuff behind the scenes. So I know I keep teasing that, but again, stay tuned. I, I am working on a lot of our business stuff. It's just a very, very slow process. Uh, but today's a fun one for me for a couple reasons. One, because we're diving into the writing world again, which we haven't done in a little while. Um, and so we're kind of overdue to diving back into that fandom, but then also because our guest today has been a friend of mine for close to 13 or 14 years at this point. And we hadn't actually talked in like 10 years until, uh, I had seen, uh, saw, uh, one of your posts for your most recent book. Uh, and I, I your posts have always popped up and then my brain just kind of clicked and was like, wait a minute, like that's literally like a perfect person to bring on the show and you want to like you got to reach out anyway and reconnect anyway um so our guest tonight is is donnie winter uh i appreciate you coming on the show uh to give everyone a quick recap um you've written a couple poetry books uh and you also have a a couple podcasts that you do because uh mothra is a pretty huge passion of yours who yeah (laughs) (laughs) that'd be fun too but i appreciate you coming on no, Mark, thank you. Like, again, when you approached me, like, I was just like, well, this is a throwback. I love it because we, like you said, we've known each other for over a decade. We, like, we had the whole college day thing, you know, together, yeah. you know, like those were the good old days, right? But I must say, like, we both have aged like fine wine since then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take absolutely, that. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yes, so I, I am a poet. I... I've been one for a long time. I was one in college as well, but I was kind of too afraid to put my stuff out there until probably right after my master's program, I got, I, I just started thinking, I'm like, nobody's seeing my work because I'm not really making an effort to put it out there. So how can I really expect any success if I'm not like taking that chance, right? Of course, we kind of fear that rejection. And of course there was a lot of rejection, but eventually a publisher latched on and they were like, oh my God, your work's great. Let's go for it. And then three poem collections later, here I am. And I, it, it's been a whirlwind over the past two or three years. Like it's the one fun, great thing that happened to me during the pandemic was that I got published. So, right. <laughs> There's always, you got to look for the silver linings. Like, Absolutely. COVID sucked, but um, so what was that kind of like, early process like um for you like getting the first kind of poem collection 
published in that that kind of experience. Right. So my first my first poem collection is called Carbon Footprint, and um, I, I'm an LGBTQ plus poet. So like a lot of my work focuses a lot on like my experiences, at least this book specifically, my experiences growing up as a gay male in rural Michigan, which as you can imagine was probably a delightful experience. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, a th it was thrilling, but it gave me a lot of fuel to, to write stuff. So I appreciate that sort of. Um, but so honestly, like some of the poems in this started forming like during those college days actually like I would I, I ended up double majoring and one of my majors was in creative writing so in like some of those classes I was able to kind of like plant the seeds of some of those concepts and poems and ideas but then like once I got into my master's program that's when I was able to kind of like think about my work in the grand scheme of putting it together as some sort of cohesive body of something um, which is kind of challenging to do. You don't really think about like creating a whole theme across the span of a hundred pages worth of poetry, right? Um, and I think a lot of people don't realize that in poem collections, like many of them can share stories or have even characters in them, you right. know? So after my master's program, I, I kind of sat on it for a couple of years, but then when the pandemic happened, I was like, all right, full throttle, here we go. I need to start writing. I need to make it a priority because in this world, we're kind of at this point in our lives where if it isn't like something that renders some sort of capitalism, capital, commercial uh, results. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Capitalistic yeah. results. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, then it's kind of not worth anything. I had to kind of like get my mind out of that headspace just a little bit yeah. because that was the thing that was forcing me to put it on the back burner. Burner. Once I stopped that, I was able to put something together and it developed into this book. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. And I, I, you bring up a good point as well with like changing your mindset uh, when it comes to certain things. Because uh, people who have listened to the show know that, like, I used to, I was heavily, heavily involved in like streaming and all that kind of stuff, and was getting pretty successful at it. And then, you know, in classic humanity is great uh, sort of thing, uh, things happen, and I spent uh, took a year and a half away from like any sort of streaming, and I'm just now getting back into it, finally feeling like mentally uh, better again. But uh, again, a part, part of the reason I stepped away was that mindset of like, oh, I should do this just because I could earn extra money and not because it's fun to do, or I could meet new friends or new connections. And I had my mindset like really twisted and spent that year, like trying to rewire my brain to be like, you need to do things that might not make you money, but are, could be fun to do and something that you're actually passionate about. Um, absolutely well and, and it takes bandwidth right like like yeah. even creating like do like as i do podcasts as well like creating any type of long form project is it can be taxing it takes time to do it and sometimes if we get in those cycles where we're like is this worth the time right financially speaking that has a way of like messing with us right yeah like i know i felt this left and right when i was like putting my book together because let's be honest like poetry isn't like a huge market, you know. Yeah, um, but it's just sad. Like, but... it, it is sad, but thankfully, I've spent 
I've spent well over a decade creating a following through like YouTube and, and other social media that I knew that whenever I would come out with something that, that I would have people supporting. Right. And, yeah. and I think that's one of the most important things, like as any creator is like developing the bandwidth to create that presence. So you can kind of make that foundation for yourself. Yeah. So what, what what's kind of that feeling though, of like, because uh, we, we've talked to a few people that have done like books and, and comic books and things like that. Like, what was it like seeing that first uh, book, you know, come off the presses, so to speak, uh, you know, after you've been officially published and like you get that first kind of like official copy of like, this is a real thing now. Uh, like, what was that moment like? Well, I, I, I cried. Yeah, <laughs> I, I cried quite <laughs> a bit. It yeah. was a very dramatic day when I got like that, like I got my like first uh, proofs of the book and um i just i just sat there and like just held it for like 15 minutes i was just like wow like it's it's happened right because i think for those of us who are creators like we we all like have this like vision in our mind of like what a final product will be um but like for me like i had gotten so discouraged about writing at a certain point that i just didn't think that it was gonna happen so i kind of like took that romanticized image and just like tossed it out but then it like came all rushing back like really quickly yeah. so like being able to like have that in my hands it was like a very surreal experience like it did not feel like reality sometimes honestly yeah yeah but no, it was that's very enriching yeah so one thing you know is we, we always like i always like diving into like why things happen and you you mentioned obviously like writing a lot of your poetry and the cover kind of shows the lbtq like side of things yeah. um going from like the other poetry books you've been written has that been like a constant source of like i, I don't know if inspiration is the right word but like source material inspiration like a a yeah. way into the past kind of well so i like I am an LGBTQ plus poet, but I also consider myself a nature poet too. So like I write, I, I love writing about like contrasting things like, like nature as contrasted to industry. Right. So like, if, if you look at my collections, like obviously my first one is very like nature oriented, a lot of like earthiness to it. I like, like a lot of this book explores like trauma, right? And my goal with it was to kind of like connect our bodies to our planet as a body itself, which also experiences trauma and retains it. And we can see like examples of it throughout like geologic history, right? So like my goal was to like make that connection with this and to create like an LGBTQ plus commentary um, and then in my second collection, which is Feats of Alchemy, um, very anime inspired because I also love anime quite a bit. I mean, I mean, um, I mean, right. right, exactly. Yeah. So like this one explores my experiences after coming out because I don't think that there are a lot of conversations that take place about that span of time because everybody's always like woo once you're come once you come out at sunshine and rainbows not always the case <laughs> right so, yeah so like feats of alchemy like i wanted to kind of like create like this dystopian-esque future where um like this like i kind of like illustrate like the lgbtq plus experience as being like this cyborg right it's very very cyberpunk inspired and um 
essentially like the whole purpose of the collection is kind of like taking that trauma, like working through it, but like creating yourself from the ground up all over again. Right. Yeah. Um, the title came from this idea that like there is different types of alchemy, right? Like I've always been fascinated by alchemy. It, it is a very interesting topic of like the things that they would do or say that they could do right. by combining different ingredients. Like I mean, the philosopher's stone, you know, turning, you know, regular dirt into gold and like well if you if you think of alchemy as a metaphor like we are all alchemists of some sort like if especially if we think of it in the social context right so like we're always like taking something from a social situation internalizing it and then turning ourselves into someone different in order to adapt ourselves to a social situation so as like lgbtq plus people are like super skilled at this because we've had to do it to to be safe right so that's like where that um title comes from and then of course my my last collection casting seeds it's a very like short it's a chat book a short book um it's kind of like it explores like childhood like being lgbtq plus as like a child and and right uh, things that i've navigated at that point as well so yeah yeah i love that has it has it been because obviously you mentioned like a lot of stuff does kind of come from a not so fun rural Michigan background and how fun and amazing people can be. Uh, <laughs> uh, was it also like for you? Was it a like, like cathartic experience, like getting this kind of into a poetry form and getting it out to the world for people who maybe are going through similar experiences? Uh, like, have you seen that side of things too? Absolutely. Like, I, like it was very cathartic for me to, to write this in general. Um, but I also know that, like, because I've heard from, like, some of my audience that it's been very cathartic for them as well, because they've been able to, like, kind of connect with those experiences, because there are just some LGBTQ plus experiences that, like, we can kind of, like, we know what they are, but they're really difficult to articulate. And I think through, at least I hope, through some of the images and and the commentaries that I've created in the books that I'm able to articulate them and kind of uh, manifest them and then like allow them to let go in some way, if that makes sense. Right. And, and I think that release itself is pretty cathartic, at least for me. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, it's a good, it's a good kind of message is like, I've always felt like writing is a very cathartic experience, even if like you're not trying to get a main goal out of it, you know, getting your thoughts out there or like podcasting has been in various different ways has been very cathartic from, you know, like legitimate interviews to where people are like, um, like I just, I don't think it, it it won't, it won't be coming out for a while because it's a series that someone's recording um, in preparation for things. But, uh, I've known them for a little while from podcasting and they were like, Hey, I want to do a series about like single parents. And I don't really, but like, I got to like single dads and you were the first person I thought of, are you okay coming on the show and like talking about the experience of like what it's been like doing this on your own. Um, and I, I just did that a couple of days ago and it was, it was very fun. And, you know, like three years ago, I would not have felt comfortable doing something like that. But after, uh, what I'd like to think is personal growth. Uh, I've gotten to the point of being able to talk about things. Um, So that's why I was curious to kind of like your experience with getting them published and kind of like getting an audience behind it and kind of seeing uh, 
um, the reaction because I mean, again, as we both said, the world's a great place uh, with so with awesome people. Um, so I can, you can imagine there's probably like not so fun experiences to think of a lack of a better term. But um, do you? I know you said like you kind of like finally wanted to get one done. What led to like the second book, third book, um, and if you like have plans for for any future? Uh, writings first i want to like kind of go back to what you said about like that podcast that you oh yeah and because i think that one big obstacle for for a lot of us as creators is allowing ourselves to be in that vulnerable place right because like that but like there's so much uncertainty in that because you don't know how well what you have to say might be received, right? Like you, you don't know like how it will be interpreted, etc. And it sounds like that experience was like a fulfilling experience for you. I, I felt the same way about this first book. Um, and all of, all of my books have been very fulfilling for me, but like the first book, obviously that's, that's the breakout. Like, at least that was my breakout. Like it, like I was expecting like maybe two people would buy it and read it and be like, Oh, cool. All right. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> but it ended up like being pretty successful um, for the small, like s- the scale of the small press that I work with. Uh, it topped like a couple of different Amazon charts. And I've, I think I had one uh, I had, I've gotten nominated for a couple of like pretty significant prestigious awards for it. Didn't get them, but nominations count everyone. <laughs> it's still, yeah, it all counts. <laughs> like, like musicians still acknowledge their Grammy yeah. nominations. Yeah. Right? Like so 13, nine. Yeah. I see it all the time. 13 Grammy nominated <laughs> actor. And you're like, okay. Yeah. So like, yeah, like, but like that success, that, significant success that was very telling to me and i had a number of people be like like donnie you got you like you got important things to say and the world deserves to to read what you have to say so like that success in conjunction with what people were telling me i was just like okay this gives me a lot of encouragement and motivation to continue doing this i had a publisher who was like what's next what's next like like because my book yeah. ended up, my book ended up being like their most successful like pop, like release that they've had, which I still am kind of mind boggled by. But so that's what led into Feats of Alchemy. Like that happened the following year. The truth is, when I was writing Carbon Footprint, like I got so much into it that like I ended up writing tons and tons and tons of poems, probably enough poems to like release four or five collections worth. Right. And I started looking at themes that were emerging in those poems that didn't that that I didn't include in Carbon Footprint. And I was just like, okay, like there are things here that I can turn into a concept and 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 focus on some themes in like in a follow-up collection, right? Yeah. The the biggest difficulty was being like, okay, like like how am I going to contrast it to the first book? Cause I'm one of those people, like, I don't want to do the same thing twice. Right. Yeah. Despite what people may want. So like the second book was much darker, required a different degree of vulnerability. It was very sassy, political, like almost grungy and emo at points, but yeah, fully so. Right. But, yeah. And we all have, I mean, we can, we all, we all have our emo phase. Like, <laughs> We can all, you can all try to deny it, 
once an emo, always an emo. Yeah, we always have that one moment that we have that one picture that's somewhere on the internet where you're like, "Yep, that was me at some point." That that guy. Uh, oh, those are the days. Especially when you're doing a lot of stuff. Yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot out there. Um, so one thing, I, like again, I, I kind of mentioned to you before the air, and anyone who d- listens kind of knows that. Uh, we will we will get serious when the moment calls for it, but at the same time, I'm fucking crazy, and we'll dive into random things at all times. Oh, same, same here. Uh, so we we've mentioned podcasting before because I had mentioned obviously like that you you would do a couple podcasts. So what are like obviously the podcasts that you're doing, and what's kind of what's the theme around the ones that you're doing? So my first uh, the first podcast that I do I do with my friend Ari Whipple, who goes by Strange Nothings on YouTube. Uh, we've been friends since like my super duper early days of college. They are largely responsible for getting me into YouTubing in the first place. But we we have a podcast called Restitching the Tapestry, which we started um, like kind of like early on in the pandemic because we just wanted to we wanted to create like some sort of commentary about the utter state of the world at that time. Yeah. And it it gradually turned into us like. Um, examining like the world, pop culture, art, etc., through like you know our own unique lenses and our you know histories and experiences, and it's turned into something really fun. I, I kind of look at it as just us looking at problems that exist and trying to not only like draw light to them, but like make sense of them and determine solutions to them. And then sometimes we'll do random like episodes where we just talk about like like random stuff like we have an episode coming up this month called hot gay summer i don't know what it's gonna be but it sounds fun and it's gonna be something you'll figure it out yeah yeah we'll figure that's, it out that's the fun but of non-stop talking <laughs> absolutely like we we are we're on season four of the show i only thought that it was oh, gonna nice. go for a year but here we go my second podcast is one called growing up with godzilla it's very nerdy much more nerdy than, than the first one I am a huge Godzilla fan. That's probably like the biggest fandom that I am a part of. And I, I've been in it for a very long time. And I and I know quite a few people, like artists, musicians, writers, etc. And I developed this idea where I was like, I want to explore people's entry into being a Godzilla fan. Like, I want to know like the history. Like, how did you become a fan? How have you grown with the franchise and the character? What has that character done for you as a person? Because I don't really feel like we have enough personal conversations about like how the characters we love and the fandoms that we are connected with, like how they influence us as people and help us grow as people. So, yeah. Well, literally welcome to the show that was created for like that sole purpose. Uh, I am honored. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, again, it, part of it, you know, for us has came about when I did have a kid and was like, you know, I grew up with parents who were very um, supportive in the sense of like, if you like this stuff, go for it. But in the sense of also don't really talk to us about it because we have zero clue what you're talking about. And so there's really nothing we can contribute to to that conversation to where now on the flip side of it, having my kid be like, dad, who's this person? Who's this person? And me being like, oh, that's that guy. He's from D.C. That's from Marvel. Uh, That's from this anime. That's a different anime Uh, that, you know, this is that thing. Oh, that's, you know, Godzilla. It's a thing from these movies Uh, or like just all these different things that like 
he's passionate about and like i can actually answer him to be like yeah i know what that is or like yeah like i know some stuff and you know like the the moments where i get to pretend i'm cool like watching power rangers and i'm like yeah i've met like half of them and you what really yeah like conventions and stuff but yeah i've met like half of them um so you you get to like pretend you're cool i love that And, and you know what like your kid's gonna remember that forever too like like showing interest in something that someone else loves is such a significant act right because like i like i can completely relate with that like i always had like people who were just so disinterested and they were just like quit being annoying donnie like quit being annoying or they'd be like when are you going to grow out of this like you're in your mid-30s and you're still obsessed with this giant fire-breathing dinosaur and i'm like absolutely like yeah like if it's cool it's cool like Like, here's a dissertation on why like yeah you're so curious (laughs) yeah so what what it what is like what about Godzilla in that franchise like speaks to you as like a general nerd? Because I know you're like really into like Star Trek and, and various things oh, yeah, uh, yeah. like that as well. But like what about that Godzilla franchise for people out there that maybe obviously I feel like most nerds know what who Godzilla is or you know the concept so. or something like that. Yeah, you'd hope so. <laughs> uh, but like what about to you that you could kind of like indicate to other people that maybe aren't as like deep into the franchise? Like what about it speaks to you? Well, like, first and foremost, Godzilla at its central root is a commentary on the specter of nuclear weapons, nuclear, like, the the atomic age, right? Right. Because, like, it was created in the the early 50s, like, post-war Japan, where, like, that nuclear specter, like, just loomed in light of, like, the trauma that that entire country had experienced, you know, during world, the end of World War II. And like that, like that itself interested me, like as I got older, when I was able to understand like the complexities of a metaphor at a certain point. But when I was a kid, like obviously other than Godzilla being a giant dinosaur and, and me being that stereotypical kid who'd love dinosaurs, right? Hmm. Godzilla kind of became an escape for me, like during a time in my life where like I would go to school and experience like a lot of bullying and I would watch Godzilla films and watch Godzilla like overcome all of these obstacles and, you know, standing up to the bad guy, you know? Yeah. You know? And like, I would watch that and internalize it and be like, you know what? If I can watch Godzilla do these types of things, like I can go to school and face, you know, not always successfully, but face right. like these, these horrible people <clears throat> who were saying like very, horrible things or doing horrible things so Godzilla kind of became like that template for me but then as I got older like I started writing fan fiction you know and you know Mm. started like exploring the universe and creating my own stories like I just started developing the complexities of the character in the entire franchise because a lot of people when they hear the name Godzilla they think like oh two people smashing a set blah 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 (laughs) but there there is a lot more depth like artistic quality to that style of filmmaking to that character to to all of it that i think is worth exploring yeah and and a lot of what you said is part of the reason why i love not only asking that kind of question but diving into the different things is because even as many things as i am into and and do and collect and all that various stuff you can never know enough. Like you can dabble in a little bit, but you're never going to really know the nuances of like 
why people are so passionate about certain things Absolutely. until you're like really trying to dive into it. Um, and I think for a lot of people out there too, I think what's important to also remember is that, you know, you're allowed to, I think people sometimes get like nervous or maybe weirded out about getting into certain things because they think, you know, like, like you said, oh, Godzilla is just like a monster movie thing. So I really shouldn't get that into it because you know what I mean? Like people are going to look at me weird or think that it's too, you know, I'm crazy or that it's stupid or, you know, like with things that we've all heard about oh, things yeah. that we've, that we've been passionate about or things that we're into. And I, I, part of what you said, I think was really important just in the sense of like, to you, I say like that art, like the, the artwork, the, the film style, the, the ways that the character is developed and shown on screen and things like that. I think that's an important thing for people to remember is that, when you're getting into something or you're becoming passionate about something like just because it's written as a doesn't mean that you can't see it as you know z like you however you see it is the thing that matters absolutely i i think and, and you've probably experienced this on this show as well but on my growing up with godzilla show like probably the most enriching thing that i've experienced is simply listening to other people's like perspectives right like we all have our histories and our histories shape who we are what we gravitate towards and just being able to look at other people's experiences with a character or with the franchise it can be it can help you learn about a, a different layer to the character of the franchise or a film that you may not have considered before which can be very refreshing in a way yeah i know exactly it's being uh, there's why I, I love being in a part of so things like you probably remember like Lord of the Rings is still probably one of my favorite franchises oh, of, of all time. Um, but not just because of the sense of like that the books are good or, you know, the movies are really good, which obviously they are. But my main thing is I love like the lore behind it. Um, I love like kind of like that different world and the music uh, behind everything uh, and the artwork and just like, it's like it's not like the main things like i obviously i love the main things but like the, i love the franchise for like those things i just mentioned and again that it's a major franchise where some people just go like oh yeah that's just the movies that that's the that's the thing and it's like there's so much more to things that when you really dive into it absolutely. um like i mean video games that are based off of movies except for that golem game which i've heard is absolutely horrible which i was really disappointed about i just saw an advertisement on yeah day. i was, was really like, excited yeah, I was really excited when I saw it on Steam. I was like, oh, this is just sounds great. Like, I'll wait till it comes out. I'll see some reviews. And like, after they kind of do an initial patch, maybe I'll buy it. Like, I, I love exploring that that side of things. And then I saw images from the game and I was like, no, nah, I'm good. Yeah, like I'll, I'll I, I saw like I saw the preview and I was just like, hmm, I don't know. Yeah, hmm. yeah, they they released some. Is this is funny? I, I love bringing up this stuff. I, I was reading a Reddit article about the studio released a statement. Essentially, it's like, like, hey sorry you all hate our game <laughs> it's, it's like the lowest metacritic review in lord of the rings game history oh no um nothing's been rated lower like people were comparing it to shadow of mordor and how the graphics in shadow of mordor are infinitely better than this new game that just came out in 2023 and shadow of mordor came out in like 2004 or something like that. i know like that was like eons ago like, yeah and like it was it's a very interesting yeah and they've already released a statement saying that they're working on another game people were like please stop like either try or stop right 
But I mean, <laughs> yeah, if it makes money. Um, before we wrap up, there's one thing I want to ask you because, as you know, because I mentioned to you before we started recording, and people who know this, I do a anime podcast uh, where we, we have a wheel of fate that I have created. Decide what anime that we review because it's just a wheel with anyone that recommends anime, and it just spins, and that's what we have to watch. Um, so, uh, ironically, uh, I don't know if you, how how much you've watched ever Loop on the Third stuff. Uh, from like way back in the day, but next week we're reviewing the first loop on the third from like 1978, because uh, that's what the wheel landed on. So I'm rewatching that now, and it's the oldest anime I've ever watched, um, other than like some movies and stuff. And you can just drastically tell like some things are not acceptable. Oh, <laughs> like, no. you're like, it was made in 78. You're like, well, yeah. Um, so my question I want to ask you as we, as we wrap up is like, what are some of like the top animes uh, for you? Oh, well, I could be super basic first and say that Sailor Moon is one of my favorites. Um, I, I also love like most of the Dragon Ball franchise, though there are some series that I'm like, eh. Full Metal Alchemist is another one of my favorites. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But being that it's Pride Month, I'm going to I'm going to recommend one that is probably not the most common. Gravitation. Have you ever heard of or watched Gravitation? I don't think so. Now, like it's 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 very much LGBTQ plus themed, and there are some parts of it that are kind of like, ooh, that's ooh, you know. But yeah. all things considered, it's interesting. It's not a very lengthy show. Um, but if if for anyone out there who wants to explore like LGBTQ plus anime like themed animes um that don't reduce lgbtq plus characters to cousins like sailor moon does um (laughs) gravitation check it out okay gravitation all right yeah i I will always i pretty much at this point have watched such a broad spectrum because of this show uh i usually stuck to my theme you know sci-fi fantasy sports animes were were like my general ones never watched too many rom-coms slice of life or stuff but because of this show i've had to watch a broad spectrum of animes to where some have like cracked into my top 10 and others have made me question why anime exists. <laughs> and if, if well, I really want to continue, may make you question. Probably. <laughs> I, there's what we watched. Like what I'm referencing was it was, um, and it's on Crunchyroll. I think, I think it's called a uh, welcome to Jabberai park where it was originally like a mobile game that just had these very intricate long cutscenes developed around the story of this game and apparently Crunchyroll decided to pull all of the fo- the clips and turn it into like an anime by just pasting them together oh and we didn't realize this someone had recommended it to us as like a joke of like here's a bad anime uh, that you guys could suffer through, and of course the wheel the wheel went on like a stretch of it landed on every bad anime recommendation that people had given us for four times in a row. So for two months, that's all we have watched is the worst animes people had recommended. So we don't ask for bad anime anymore because that like almost burnt us out because it was like between that one, which was designed around a mobile game, <laughs> to like a pixelated like alien armada invasion to. <laughs> Um, like this one that was supposed to be centered around like these siren or like these girls who are like secret assassin girls who go in these mech unit, like mech units, which normally mech is a huge franchise that I love, but it's supposed to center around like this boy who's a cook, but he doesn't show up until like every 10th episode, but he's supposed to be the main character. 
but nothing relates to him at all. What? Uh, yeah, it, it was called like Battle Angels or something. And it was I think it, that sounds kind of familiar to me. We, we I we I watched like half of it and I was like, I, I don't care if I have nothing to talk about after 15 minutes. I <laughs> will not click one more time. I can't. I just can't. Did you cave and do it? Did you just <sighs> cave? I, I, yeah, I, I will cave on some and be like, this sucks, but you know, whatever, I'll finish it. But then there's been a few where I'm like, no, I, I don't care. Because when not. I'm like halfway through something, I'm like, ooh, I gotta just see it through. There's been a few that I've, I've stopped because it's been like so bad that I was like, I can't, I can't do it. This is like mind numbing. Like, I just can't. Uh, <laughs> so I, I will bring you on the other show one day. Um, I would love that. That'd be fun. Because we have a lot of cool, cool animes. We, one that we do like tonight, we're doing a, um, for those of you who are listening, I record every Thursday live with Dad's Anime Stash. Uh, but we're doing Yu Yu Hakusho uh, character tier list. We're going to go through and put them in, in different fun tiers and stuff. Um, so last question I want to ask you um, as, as we wrap up, because I got to go pick up uh, Mini Bushido or Cameron, as you guys know him, um, was going through everything that you did that led to like the creation of these books and using like life experiences and like having the things that you're passionate about kind of like be a good driving force into leading to other projects. <clears throat> excuse me uh what is like the biggest piece of knowledge or wisdom or advice that you could that you think others could benefit from that anything that you produce is ultimately an extension of you and that is a validation of your existence of your history and that is why it deserves to exist once I was able to start remembering that and internalizing that, that helped get, helped get me through writer's block, people being discouraging, rejection, all of the above, because at the end of the day, as a creator, you got to find ways to keep yourself going because there are a lot of obstacles out there working against us. You got to find ways to keep yourself going and sayings like that. If you can arm yourselves with them, that will help considerably. Yeah. Well, that's really good advice. Uh, I think, I think we underestimate repeating things in our head of like, oh, it's just a, it's just a phrase or it's just a saying. But I, I, I like me myself have like started to try to do things like that as like a motivation to like, hey, you like one of them is just to be a better father uh, as, as obviously something I'm always striving to do. Like, I don't I think I'm a good dad now, but I, I by no means do I think that I can't keep getting better and doing things to make sure that he has a fulfilling life. So I have things that I do, like I have necklaces that I, I have made for him. And when he's not around, I wear them as like a personal reminder as I'm going throughout my day to just be a better person in general. So I have mm. something to go back to him about. And with a lot of the other side stuff that I'm working on, I'm going through that same kind of like I'm trying to get my brain to be like, hey, even if it sucks, you got to try. Like you've been talking, you, you, you want to try this, like you, you should at least give it a try and, and see yeah. what happens because it might stick. Um but Donnie, like I said, I will we'll definitely going to have you on this show again. I'll definitely bring you on my other stuff as well. Um, Cause there's lots of nerdy stuff that I think we could dive into, especially there's a, a guy, an actor that I know who's been on some Star Trek Voyager stuff. He's done a lot of big stuff. He's coming on the show again soon. Pat Jankowitz. Uh, you can, anyone listening, you can check out past episodes. Uh, became a decent friend of mine over the last couple of years. We've always kept in touch ever since he came on the show, like a year and a half ago. 
Um, so he's coming on the show again in the next couple of weeks. So eventually, That's Donnie, so I'd love to, uh, I'll reach out, see if you have any questions for him. Uh, yeah, he's sure. Got, he's definitely got some stories about working with all the main cast and stuff. Um, but make sure, um, I know you've mentioned the books. Um, is there like a main website or a place that people can find them or? Donniewinter.com. That's where all my stuff is. And otherwise my books can be found on Amazon. All right. Uh, well, obviously, anything that you mentioned between the podcast and the books and everything like that, I will have separate links for each of them in the show description. So if there's a particular book, uh, as Donnie was describing them, that you're interested in checking out, um, I highly encourage you to do so. Not just because I've known the guy for a very long time, but because <laughs> obviously it's the the story behind them, I feel, is, is a very good message to pass to pass across to other people. And if you listen to this show, you know that I will never recommend anything if I don't believe it. I'm sure you can go back and listen to episodes where I've interviewed someone and been like, yeah, so check out their stuff. And I've moved on. Uh, <laughs> if I believe in something, I will talk about it and recommend it and share it and various things like that. You guys know that by now, so I will continue to do so. If you've made it this far in the episode, you might as well like and subscribe, leave a review, share it with your friends, do other various things. There's a lot of very cool stuff in the works. It's taking a very long time because it's a lot of big stuff. Uh, but bear with me as we get going with a lot of things. Sam is very busy with getting back to school and things. So she will be on episodes uh, when she can. So you're going to guys are going to hear a lot more of me coming up uh, in the future, but of course she'll always be there as much as she can. If you are on our show already, just go to our Facebook, Twitter. If you Google the fan effect, we will pop up anywhere. You can also catch me on dad's anime stash. As I've mentioned every Thursday, uh, as well as I do own the digital uh, editing company, Digital Shogun. So if you do any uh, audio or video work, you can always reach out. And I'm more than happy to set up a meeting to see if it's something that we can work on with you as well. And if you have a fandom that you want us to dive into or any guests that you'd like to have on the show, go ahead and let us know who they are. Go ahead and email us, DM us, whatever it is. I will do my best. Uh, obviously, if you say, can you get on Patrick Stewart? Odds are I'm not going to be able to make that connection oh, happen only. as much as I would love that too, because that man is amazing. Uh but I will obviously do my best in the various different things that we can do. Donnie, once again, thank you. I really do appreciate you coming on the show and we'll be in touch regardless of you coming on the show. Cause it's been too long since we've Absolutely. been in touch. So we'll thank, you, Mark, thank you, Mark, for this has been wonderful. And it's always great to catch up with you. Yeah. I, I always, I feel the same and I will see you guys next week for another edition of the fam effect podcast and happy pride month. Bye everyone. Well, not bad for one playthrough. You have multiple achievements left to unlock. Please follow the Fandom Effect podcast on all available platforms and unlock the next level. If that doesn't work, just turn it on and off.